Greetings all. Welcome to another episode of the Courageous Path podcast found on SoundCloud and iTunes where you can subscribe or follow there. I'm Rachel Horton White with Soulful Work Intuitive Consulting and you can learn more about me at soulfulworkconsulting.com. Today I am so excited to share an interview with Graham Connolly. How can we learn to trust our intuition to guide us in this life? And why is it that our manifestation efforts don't seem to work sometimes? In our conversation, Graham, a psychic medium and former engineer, explores these ideas based on his own life experience of bridging the analytical with the intuitive, coming to embrace his psychic gifts, and now working in shamanic healing and teaching about mediumship in his work with others. Learn here about Graham's impressions of why many of us experience trauma in our lives. Maybe it's part of our soul's contract with another person about a lesson we want to learn in this life and how we can make friends with the negative ego voice that often tries to hold us back and instead begin to do maybe intuitive work on our own by becoming comfortable with the uncomfortable. And Graham Connolly is a professional psychic medium, life record facilitator, current pass in Akashic, Reiki master, shamanic practitioner, healer, author of Mediumship and All Things Metaphysical, mentor, and certified trainer for Mike Dooley's award-winning Infinite Possibilities, The Art of Living Your Dreams program. Graham has the unique ability, being a microchip designer for 31 years, of bridging the analytical and metaphysical minds in a way that brings balance for an individual wrestling with corporate and personal development illusions of conflict. Both realities are interconnected and valuable for your soul's journey. You can learn more about Graham at Tarasa Holistics, T-A-R-R-A-S-S-A-H-O-L-I-S-T-I-C-S, tarasaholistics.com or at www.gramconnolly.com. Hope you enjoyed this interview with Graham, which is aptly called Bridging the Intuitive with the Analytical. Good morning, Graham. Good morning, Rachel. It's so wonderful to be here with you on this day of what's going to be a snowstorm. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Nor'easter. Yeah, right. (laughs) Nor'easter, which we're used to here. Which, yes, that's right. So I was, um, I've been lucky enough to cross paths with you, with you several times and have, have heard about the intuitive work that you do and mm-hmm. the shamanic work as well that you yes, do. Yes, I, I trained with uh, Evie and Ali of Spirit Passages in their first inaugural training. Oh, it must be at least 15 years ago, maybe more. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so it's a very profound modality and a form of healing and uh, Another way, another um, aspect of my toolbox, mm. I guess, is the best way That's to say. That's wonderful. So. so can you tell us a little about yourself and how you sure. came to be doing this, doing sure. intuitive work? Well, it, actually, I think all my life I was uh, intuitive but didn't really pay attention to it. And my mother was uh, a Rosicrucian, so she would try and would try to... Uh, teach me all of the mechanics of it as a teenager and as an associate member on her membership and so on and she got quite up to almost the Illuminati level she was she had been studying for many many years so I had that part of me but uh, in 1973 I 
dreamt of my car accident two months before it happened, including the injuries and aspects and that I would nearly die. And, wow. and that sort of, I think that was a catalyst for me to start exploring it because then there were future similar events that happened. And typically I don't remember my dreams. So those ones that I do remember, I started paying attention to. And that mm -hmm. put me on a path whereby I actually became a, a microchip designer. Right. So I ended up with a master's degree in microchip design from England, from Brunel University, and uh, which was in and of itself interesting because I didn't get the grades to go to university at high school because of this car accident because I was in hospital for 10 wow. weeks. That's a, that's a major life incident. Yeah, so, so I think that was part of the catalyst. You know, and we all say that sometimes um, when we have a near-death experience or something like that, it opens us up to a whole new realm. Well, I believe yes. that's the case. So in parallel to designing microchips for 31 years here in South Portland, Maine, I was uh, training and learning about mediumship uh, through the spiritualist organization and through Reiki and through cranial sacral and through the shamanism. So it's fascinating. Yeah. And what do, so how what do you do today? What types of work do you do? Today, uh, today right now I left I left uh, Fairchild before it was purchased a couple of years ago, I guess now, two, two and a half years ago. And I've been trying to or I've been, you know, working at, partly at leaping lizards and doing private parties and healings and shamanic healings and developing uh, a client based around developing intuition and beyond because sometimes when you say psychic or mediumship it does yes. raise up sort of things for some people um, but yet they all everybody believes in intuition we all it, have it right exactly <laughs> it's an innate part of us correct mm -hmm. yeah it's too bad because i think i i know exactly what mm. you mean with the term psychic and meeting, which I also avoid using because people have these negative, often negative associations. Right. And, um, and there, you know, of course, there are people out there, unfortunately, who use that term in not the best way. Right. <laughs> so it's, it, it, it gives the rest of us, it makes it harder for the rest of us. <laughs> it does. I mean, yeah. I had one situation many years ago where a local psychic in Portland uh, and um, I was like, you know, this isn't what, you know, God wants you to be doing it in this way, you, you know. Um, and um, so, yeah, so I, I do know that there are a lot of wannabe psychics or things like that. And, and not necessarily, I'm not trying to belittle them or something, but it's just, uh, there is this fear around Mm -hmm. psychic phenomena but. well people sometimes ask me I do tarot readings and some people say well I don't want to know I don't want to know what's going to happen and it's like this this kind of a misconception that it's future predicting the future where I think sometimes that actually you know it's like there's a path a more likely path but what I will tell people is it's a potential reality and and oh, they say I don't want I don't want to know something bad that's going to happen mm -hmm. and I will say to them I don't see that at all I think right. I mean it might be something that's not great for you but if you get the death card it doesn't doesn't mean death so what do you think about that I mean in terms of the fears that people have around getting intuitive readings I think it's because they in a way they don't uh, understand the mechanics of quote natural law or quantum physics because it's all about a probability 
and that other all the other probabilities still exist once you witness it now in terms of prophecy my dream was in a way prophetic i dreamt in, uh, in detail of all the aspects of it mm -hmm. so there are those things but at the same time as soon as you witness it or it goes into someone's consciousness that can change and then free will and choice um, can change it again mm -hmm. and then and then at the same time if it's involving or the reading is involving someone else someone else's decisions will then influence the reading yes. you know so what for example when people say well I want to know if I should sell my house or when's my soulmate coming and all of those types of things it's like it's all based on the energy in the moment and uh, a medium or psychic can can see the potential but again it's like you say it's just a probability and yes. death typically um, although I have had experiences where I've known what is happening in people's bodies or what probability um, I personally um, unless it's like it happened for me once with my sister my sister's death and uh, mm. um, you know but no death is like you say it's a metaphor you know 98% of the time death is a metaphor it's mm -hmm. the end of a, a paradigm it's the end of a, a relationship or the mm -hmm. end of a job it's not necessarily mm -hmm. physical death so I'm just thinking about my own experience and I think that what I had I had a reading from a psychic in Florida 10 years ago and she told me every everything the major this happened in my life mm -hmm. and so I watched everything happen one by one and for me I knew that I had intuitive gifts as well but I had doubted them for a long time saying I had the dreams mm -hmm. come true like you and anyway but when that happened when th I started to say there's something here that I need to understand and right. experience and so I think sometimes people unless you have that direct experience yourself like having dreams mm -hmm. that come true or seeing something from another realm that not everybody sees it's like it's hard to understand it and bring it into your reality when it's not right. something that you see um so how how does that work with you when working with people who may not quote believe or may not trust or be doubting? <laughs> well, um, it, it kind of been interesting because I have that unique um, situation where, on the one hand, I have a very good analytical mind designing microchips, and then I have this intuitive side, and I actually bridge the two. So for me, at times, I have the ability to um, be sharing something intuitively. Or, for example, one time um, there was a big meeting at Fairchild and I had been successful in a certain set of products and the phone rang and I was like, oh, my last chip is broken, just intuitively. And, you know, it's like, so I actually utilized this intuition because... To be honest, I mean, it's like, um, you know, Albert Einstein, where does, where does the intuitive thought come from? It comes from, you know, a universal source, okay, regardless of deity, you know, and it comes down and it gets manifested. So I just have learned that. And with that ability, I think in some ways, some people have said to me, well, you know, my, my wife is into this stuff and I just ignored yes. her, but... 
you know. Now, I hear that so much. Right now, I hear it from you. You bring a whole different perspective to it, you know. So it makes it, in a way, it makes it a little easier. Um, having having had all those experiences, to try and just connect. But yes, I mean, what people don't realize is that. At being energy in the physical body, if we change our paradigm and that we're energetically communicating with everything in our environment, when that, when you start recognizing that, it means that as you and I are sitting here, I could, if I wanted to connect to it, you know, determine what may be happening in your body, you know, like medical intuitive and things like that. So because there's just this receiving and transmitting it's like when you walk into a room and you or you shake someone's hand and you don't trust them where mm -hmm. does that come from mm -hmm. and all of the mechanics go back to this intuition and quote energy mm -hmm. so it seems to me that you that that your role as a man and as somebody who worked in a traditional workplace that you're serving a very important role because i think like you mentioned a lot of times there's this conception that women are, you know, like, you know, witches or intuition comes mm -hmm. from just women. And that's the tradition, right. one of the, but I think more and more, I mean, we know that's absolutely not the case. Right. It's very, it's just maybe men often don't feel like it's okay for them to mm -hmm. show that they have this. Sure. So um, how did, I'm just thinking back to Fairchild, did you notice people, um, acknowledging their own intuition or did you talk about your intuitive gifts well, there how was it received well naturally in the workplace you have to be very very careful yeah so but eventually you know they used to joke and tease me and you know and you know um but the, so the thing was was people some people were aware and they were polite they didn't ask but and then other people would come and ask and say i've been having this experience you know what what do you what does it do you think that might be about so I eventually came quote out of the closet and people knew and they would they would intuitively come up but yes I mean I think engineers um, they naturally are intuitive when they have to solve some of their problems but they naturally utilize as well their analytical and their mm -hmm. education to get to that point but they just look at things and say something's wrong here or something mm -hmm. and, you know so it's a combination so yeah but men yeah I guess men are a little more reserved sometimes but CEOs make business decisions on yeah. their gut I'm you know? just gonna say that I we hear about that yeah all the time it's I trust your gut so. yeah and some of the that's some of what they say that's what makes them most successful right. or that's how they've gotten that position because they rely on their right. intuition but they wouldn't want to say, well, you know, my spirit guide told right. me. <laughs> <laughs> but we could call it something else, right? Exactly. Like, trust your gut. Yeah, trust exactly. Your... Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. the same. It is the same. It's just the words. And, the, and yes. yeah, so the words have power, as they say. Yes. And vibration. So. Absolutely. It's so important that we, we know that. And, and you mentioned divine laws and there are many natural laws and I think that's so true. Um, so, but you, so you left Fairchild to do mediumship or intuitive work mm -hmm. full time and that must have taken a lot of courage. Yeah, I think so. Well, there were factors that were, were influential. I, there was a part of me that was like, I want to stay until I retire, but I'd been getting messages from other friends as well. And, uh, 
you know, that you're not going to be at Fairchild much longer. It's time for you to get out in community, you know, and be of service to people. And I used to be a part-time lecturer when I first moved here from England in 1984 for USM. And so I loved to teach. And in my job, I would go and train people in Korea on technical subjects in particular. So teaching and sharing is a big part of who I am, uh, improving the knowledge base. So that, And I've had all the experiences to say, you know, like with my car accident, you know, who'd have thought that I'd come out with a master's degree when I didn't get a good GPA average, you know, and, you know, just through determination. So anything is possible, mm -hmm. you know. Absolutely. So. Uh, and it seems to me that that's what's happening more. And as, as we're in this new paradigm, many more people are essentially being called upon to share their gifts yeah. with others because we need it. Right. And I often <laughs> joke because, you know, there's a lot of thoughts to, with regard to our soul contract, you know, and why is it, you know, someone dies young and all of this and people say, well, that was, you know, how it was to be and that's their soul contract. And I often joke um, at, with what's happening in the world and so on and so forth. And it's like, I wish I'd read the small print when I signed, I know. Up, signed up for so this. So can you talk about soul contract a little bit for people who oh, may not know sure. what that is? There's a, there's a premise. Of it. A lot of people, we all say, well, we pick our parents um, because we're either to teach them lessons or they're to learn from us and vice versa. And it's actually a very good book. It's called uh, uh, Our Soul's Purpose, I think it's called, by uh, Robert Schwartz, mm -hmm. which gave me a different perspective that we are part of a soul group. And, you know, you and I, between lives, if you believe in past lives, but you and I would come up with a contract. So Graham is to learn about forgiveness, okay? So when we incarnate again, that you might be my abusive father or something to teach me forgiveness. And I'll be honest, at first I never really thought that of that so much, but it puts a whole different spin on who's our nemesis in life. Why are they treating us this poorly? What is the lesson, you know? So big things such as self-love and forgiveness and all of those aspects, uh, and that we make a contract that you will yes. do that and uh, that is and at some point we're going to exit this plane when that work is done or when we've set into motion what that other person is to learn so it gives an interesting paradigm however having said that you still have to live in today's reality and you still have to make choices so you asked earlier about connecting with your intuition and how to do that. Really, to me, it was about a willingness to have a, the courage mm -hmm. to get to know thyself, as they say in the Delphi Temple, you know, in mm -hmm. the old days of the Greeks, you know, because mm -hmm. through all of time we're exploring is um, life after death and what is our purpose. So that's what is the the part of being able to with all the chaos that's happening, to be able to be engaged to a level where your etheric body and your consciousness evolves. Because all that, in my terms, God wants me to do is to 
have a joyous life and to learn and to evolve as a spiritual being. Mm -hmm. And that is a big driving force of how I've tried to live my life. But of course, people are going to not always agree with my my path. Right. But, I, I think so. what you said just a moment ago about um, trauma or a really, you know, a b abusive person or a tragedy that might happen in somebody's life, it can be, I talk about this too, and sometimes I get nervous that people are going to, you know, be resisting, but I, you know, it's important that people mm -hmm. know if, which they know already or remember, um, that maybe they chose that for the, they chose that as a lesson right. in a way. And, and, but that can be extremely hard to hear, right? Like you're saying, I chose this horrible right. thing in my life, but it seems like, I mean, have you seen that people, if you've said that to people, do you see, how do people react? It varies because, for yeah. example, uh, also like with Ho'oponopono prayer, mm. um, when you think of that and the history of that. Which is, I love you, forgive me. Uh, yeah, it's in any order, yeah. apparently. Um, I love you, please forgive me, uh, thank you. Oh, gosh. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. And you can say them in any order. And the premise is, is that you're not saying forgive me to the individual you're actually saying, please forgive me to quote God, creator, whichever deity you wish to re reference this, this divine source that I could have done a little better. And I think the missing principle, like um, for me as well, is we really don't understand the whole aspect from quantum physics about how we, when we witness and observe something, how we're actually influencing that biofield that, that consciousness and what i hold now very dear to myself is that um, we co-create everything so like you just said like when if i come up to you and i say something to you and you suddenly fly off the handle at me and i'm going what the frick you know <laughs> what the heck just happened here why did rachel what did i say what did i do but the thing is, is and how could I have created that all? That wasn't my fault. That's their fault, you know. But in reality, if you think about how energetically there's this, this transmission and reception and that we co-create that, I don't know whether my body language or my tone or a word in what I said to you perhaps reminded you of your father or your mother or some other life incident and that triggered something and that you've been having a tough time for two three weeks whether it be kids work whatever and quote you just snapped yeah so co-creation and how you respond to that is you you know it each of us has to go deeper and say hmm what did i do there did i do anything and just actually i always every situation i'm in and something like that happens I look to see if there's something I could have done better. That takes a lot of self-awareness. <clears throat> yeah, and then often it's easy to just say, not my problem, it's the other person's problem. Like, I take everything personal, or I used to take everything so personal. And the four agreements, you know, one of the four mm -hmm. agreements is not to not to take things personally. Don Miguel Ruiz. Yeah, Don, yes. yeah, exactly. Great book. So. Um, Gosh, this is just, I can't wait to share this because there's so many 
it, it just it's I feel like I'm, I'm it's it's so refreshing when you know some of us are trying to share um information essentially that can help people and um the more of us that do it the better but I'm you know and and I think when sometimes I get asked a question and I'm curious to hear what you think from people who say well I I don't know what is my intuition and what isn't right how yeah. what do you say yeah what would you say to that sure well, the intuition is naturally, as you say, it's that gut feeling. It's a, it's an innate response of your body t- trying to tell you um, as to you know what is really happening. And it's so easy to let the mind kick in and find something else to attach the ego. So, in fact, that's the number one when I train when I do mediumship one on one development classes. Um, that's one of the, probably the number one question that I get is how do I know it's from the unseen realm or from spirit or a loved one? How do I know that? And it's not just my mind. My understanding and the way I describe it is that in terms of mental mediumship, uh, spirit has to impress things upon you in terms of what you see, what you feel, what you smell and what you taste and aspects like that. And the best way they can do that is to impress the information to the base of your brainstem. Hmm. And so it has to access your memories. So it will, spirit will, or a loved one is going to trigger a memory. Somebody okay. in your life, you mean? Yeah, so for, so for example, say your great aunt and you're baking cookies for, the, for your children. Um, and you're baking away and you suddenly get a whiff of the well, grandma's favorite cookie, molasses cookies. Now, is that a memory or is your grandmother stepping in? She may be have passed passed on. Oh, yeah, if she is passed yeah. on. Sorry, thanks for the mm-hmm. clarity. So, yeah, so if, if grandmother is in spirit and you suddenly have that thought. Now, naturally, baking might bring up a memory of grandmother and her favorite cookie. But equally important is she might actually be right there next yes. to you, helping you and watching over you. And go, and so that's the biggest challenge that people have. And that only comes with practice and that only comes with uh, you really getting to know your energy system. And, tr- and trusting that it is that. I think we hear that all the time. People say, I wonder if that's what it is and maybe not. And like the rational right. ego mind starts to... Say, well, it could be just because of blah, 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 right? right? Yep, yep. <laughs> so it's about trust. <laughs> yep. And we, you should make friends with your ego, you know? I say, uh, you know, you don't want to destroy ego because ego is equally bad in terms of your ego will say you're not good enough. Right. And so on and so forth. But often we think of ego as being someone being overly confident or arrogant and so on and so forth. But the other side of the coin of ego is holding you back from your true purpose mm-hmm. and uh, so to make friends with your ego mm-hmm. is what is needed because you want the ego in balance so mm-hmm. that you can and that becomes a it's like struggling up the hill you know with the with torrential rain in, in your wellington boots i know all about that <laughs> um, and i think that's so really um important for people to hear that i think you know i talk about this a lot too you know the ego what is the ego because people hear about Mm -hmm. it and that there are it has its values it has its use 
but there is a very negative aspect to it which holds us back mm-hmm. and um, it sounds like you've been able to you know work past some of that just because of what you're doing right now <laughs> right it's a constant practice though right. isn't it, it? yeah it, it's constant yeah, yeah. you're always reminded and that's what i'm saying as well with the co-creation i always reevaluate everything whether it be a heated discussion with a partner or a boss or not always so much with clients because you don't want to get into heated discussions with clients. <laughs> that but... usually probably doesn't too helpful. <laughs> it doesn't help, yeah. you know. <laughs> but uh, no, when whatever comes up, I'm like looking at it going, okay, now what, you know. So yes, it's the, it, I automatically know that I have to go and look at myself and look at the situation and that ego is going to be a factor in it. Do you practice... Um you know, I, I meditation or, you know, quieting your mind. I do, but not as much as I should. And spirit keeps reminding me of that mm-hmm. and says, you know, practice what you teach and preach. And mm-hmm. it's like, you, you have to, t- you have to try and make it a, a daily ritual. But that is a big part of what um, started me understanding, you know, that I have to get into that quiet space to get it. But then, then as time happens, you just intuitively connect, you know. Yeah, so I found I in the same way I I um want to I always call it quieting the mind because it the medita- word meditation has so much loaded just like the word psychic you know but mm-hmm. even a meditation you know I always say to myself oh I want to do it more but then I think what I personally do is just try to incorporate it into different right. moments throughout the day. Well, in the old days, you know, thirty forty years ago, they just viewed it as being in you know yeah. in a an Eastern philosophy school, or the symbols and the incense, and in actuality, now you may want to, you know, some people choose to use the word visualization because Olympic athletes, indirectly, that's what they're doing. They're meditating, they're visualizing, you know, winning that gold medal. They're co-creating. You know, they're co-creating, and their thoughts become things, as Michael Dooley says, you know, mm. and um, you know, have it in your mind, have it in your thought. But create it from the feeling perspective versus the attachment to the actual final result. Mm-hmm. You can still visualize wanting that new car, that house, and so on, but don't become so attached to exactly how it's got to be. So that's the key. Um, and oh, I'm so glad you yeah. said that. <laughs> I actually, yeah, I mean, I, I actually also am uh, a certified uh, trainer for Mike Dooley's program, Infinite Possibilities. And, oh, and, Tut, right? Is yeah, that Tut, Tut? And yeah. Tut.com, yes. Yeah, I love that. Uh, yeah. And yeah, he's, he's a wonderful man. And um, yeah, so, you know, have the feeling. I mean, that's exactly what happened for me coming here as well, because I just knew, because I had two sisters here, U.S. citizens, I was going to come and work and live in the come United States. Come to the U.S.? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, in effect, just would visualize and feel it, you know. And uh, I, after my car accident and my master's degree, I just intuitively looked into this office as I was walking out, and I saw sticking out of a trash can the top of a newspaper. And my analytical mind kicked in and said, oh, I wonder if that's Thursday's Daily Telegram <laughs> with all the job ads. <laughs> and the same ad that had appeared two years prior was in that newspaper which was when I had started my master's degree 
So I, wow. yeah, I'd forgotten what was that. The, yeah. So what was the message? Yeah. So, yeah. So to me, because um, I was, when I was doing my bachelor's, I was employed by Sperry Gyroscope with an American company that was in England. And just before I graduated, they left the country and sold it to British Aerospace. So then I agreed to stay on for my master's degree, but I really wanted to come to the U.S. to live and work. And I said, okay, I'll do my master's first, you know. And then like three months or uh, a year, a couple of months after I graduated with my master's, I see this, this uh, oh, actually, after the bachelor's, I saw this ad and I was like, oh, now I've started my master's. Oh, oh well, never mind. And then two years later, synchronistically, I'm walking out to go home, and I look, and there's paper. And when I get it home and open the paper, it's the exact same advertisement. Fairchild had recruited some people when I okay. when I uh, had finished my bachelor's, and two years later, they came back to England to recruit some more. And that I was like, thank you, Spirit. So you knew, yeah. It, it, I think so, yeah. it happens, we get messages, it's just yep. noticing them, right? Yep. And acting on them. And acting on them, yeah. So. I, I just want to come back to one thing. There's so many rich things that I keep, I want to talk to. We don't have, we don't have all day, though. But that the about visualizing, you know, um, and the, quote, law of attraction, which is pretty popular these days. But I hear from people often, they say, well, it's not working. You know, I'm visualizing, you know, making a bunch of money right now or I'm visualizing having all these clients and I'm visualizing this house or whatever it is, but it's not quote working. And, um, you know, I, of course I, I have responses for that, but I'm wondering what you, what you <laughs> would say to somebody who, who is, gets frustrated. They know about manifestation. They know that thoughts become things, but it's still not unfolding yeah, the way they there, wanted to there were, well again it's my scientific background but there were there were so many you know through the laws of you know quantum physics there's so many other probabilities and possibilities there but um yes it can get frustrating you know be, and what i found was in my younger years when you know 30 years ago or whatever you know i just quote put it out there and, and then didn't focus on it just kept feeling it and saying yeah that's going to happen and then when I went through 30 years of analytical, you know, thing, I sort of, in a way, I did, did partly, I wasn't as connected with it in a way, I, or I wasn't so aware that I was still manifesting. Yes, because we manifest all the time, we just don't Absolutely, realize it. Absolutely, right? yeah. It's like, it's like even when you have a synchronistic thought of, you know, oh, I haven't heard from so-and-so, I wonder what my high school friend is doing, and then two days later they call you, yeah. because that's again the law of law of nature, natural law, such that the universe responds to your thoughts. Yeah. But if you then have an idea, it's like with what I said with Michael Dooley's work, if you can still dream of that car, but you have to be willing to not be so attached to it. Yes. His new program, Playing the Matrix, in effect, um, it says happiness is here. There's five fundamental principles, but over here is the the job and the house and that. You can't go from the job and the house to happiness. You have to have the vision and and visualize yourself having those things, but not be so attached that it has to happen in a mm -hmm. specific way. And that's when it is. And you just don't know when 
it's going to happen, sadly. Yeah, and, and it could be that there's lessons to be learned first along the way, right? And yeah, or your, or your, or sometimes your. Um, at the same time, when it's not working out for you, you then the ego kicks in. I'm not good enough. What's stopping right. me? I'm not supposed to do this work, and so on, and so forth, and. Uh, that's a constant, you know, it's like the angel and the devil on the shoulders, right? So, yes. So, um, yeah, so... Which I, is blocking it from yeah, unfolding a little right, bit, right? Right, right. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, we have over 60,000 thoughts a day and 80% of them are trivial or negative and so on and so forth. <laughs> is that true? I never heard Oh, that yeah, scientifically we have, you know, it's over 60,000 thoughts a day. And so it's more about which ones do we emotionally attach to. Mm. Okay, mm -hmm. so if we catch ourselves beating up on ourselves, just change it around, and then just, and it's like also, who do who is in your circle of influence? Are you hanging around people that you you know are, are not as positive? You know, find mm -hmm. find the people that can raise your vibration. Mm -hmm. You know, and we all go. Th for example, I don't. Ascribe. I typically, when teaching mediumship, I talk of just a lower vibration. I don't necessarily attach negative, although that's the easiest people can attach to, because we've all had experiences which take us down to that mm -hmm. level, or all have experiences where we're being negative. So rather than say you're being negative, I say, you know, often I just say, well, I'm just down in that cycle where, you know, I'm a little bit at a lower vibration. So what do I do to bring my, mm -hmm. my vibration up? Yeah. Yeah. Um, gosh, this is just wonderful. So if somebody listening here is, um, wants to, I hear this a lot from people, wants to do healing work or intuitive work themselves, any you know words of advice you might have for them how they can if they may be in a job that they're trying to phase themselves out of what what would you, might you suggest or any ideas steps hmm. <laughs> well <laughs> i go i go back to knowing yourself you know you have to be willing to take the coach cuz for example when i started exploring psychic and mediumship you know I was apprehensive and also shamanic work. I was apprehensive about it all. My ego, my analytical mind and my education said this isn't real. So I had to really in earnest say, you know, I have to go and know myself as well. And then when I started exploring all of these aspects through whether it be books, you know, that's when things started to shift because I had to be open to a different paradigm. For example, I'm really recognized in my local community, mostly for psychic and mediumship. But at the same time, I do a lot of healing work, mm. you know. And my, the way I do mediumship as well is I, I get, I'm clairsentient, so I sense situations in the body, whether it's from the client or whether it's from a deceased loved one. So, you know, I also, do a lot of the healing work. So really to go down that path, it's really about overcoming the fear as well of what are people going to think of you. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, it's like, <laughs> it's like, 
that was a big one for me. I'm for an me engi- too. <laughs> I'm, an en- I'm an engineer here, and I'm trying to be a psychic and medium. And until I heard it from several people saying, but that's actually an incredible advantage, you know, because you've got your analytical mind and you've got this intuitive side and you're bridging the two. But for the longest time, I would be, be very, very nervous to let people know, you know, from, you know, this was years ago. It's like, but eventually things just happen such that, yeah. that, uh, so I'm not sure I answered your question. No, I think you did. It it really is about having the commitment because the the danger is though there's one caveat to that I always tell people and I'm laughing about it is when you make that commitment to yourself and your soul's evolution it will bring up every fear it will bring <laughs> up every relationship it will bring up every aspect that you're currently my partner Sue has a term that she uses often. We become comfortable being uncomfortable. Mm, that's another uh, right. In other words, we just go along with the flow of what's around us. The the nine to five. We're really not happy in our job, but we have to pay the mortgage. We, you know, we're really not happy in this relationship, and it doesn't mean that the relationship has to be terminated. It just has to be viewed through a different lens it has to be reinvigorated reignited the passion so what I do know for myself is that especially if someone wanted to do psychic or mediumship work uh, you will get information which can shock you or surprise you or make you feel uncomfortable or nervous I mean it's like if you saw someone passing and then you get that phone call and that passage, that scares people. Mm-hmm. For me, what it was to get over that was, I said, thank you, God, thank you, Spirit, for that information, you know. Same with roadkill. I'm an animal lover. Mm. Now, you know, and now I also say, you know, thank you for having been of service, so, you know, in effect, sorry, so the, the animal situation. that lost its life, that gave its that, life. That gave its mm-hmm. life, you know. Um, so it's about changing your perspective to recognize, because we all say we're all one, right? Yet at the same time, if we're all one, why are we still in so much conflict and so much strife yeah. if we truly are one? And in reality, the law of quantum physics does show that we're all one, mm-hmm. you know, that we're all connected, that absent distance healing works. It's a reality. It's a, it's a natural law of, of quantum physics. So it really comes down to changing your philosophy of you and your relationship with your environment because nature has to adapt to its environment. It's in, yeah. You know, the tigers, when they lose their habitat, are going to respond to that, you know. So you have to change with your environment. Mm-hmm. Oh, wonderful. So how can people find you and and learn more about you and work oh, with you? Sure. Um, at the moment, my um, I have a website called Terrassa Holistics, but I, I might be changing that. But uh, uh, Terrassa is a great Pyrenees dog that only lived like a year and a half, and mm-hmm. uh, so it's named after her. But um, your, It was your dog? Yeah, well, it was yeah. a former partner's, and okay. uh, Terrassa was a town in the Great Pyrenees Mountains, and we shortened the name to Tower, but uh, it was named in honor, you know, in honor of her from, you know, 20 odd years ago, but 
Um, Tuasa Holistics is one. Oh, I'm also. Can working. you spell that just sure. so everybody has yeah. it? Yeah. T A R R A S S A Holistics. H O L I S T I C S dot com. Actually, they can just do GrahamConley.com because it points oh. to that site. So okay. GrahamConley.com. I just said, someone just reminded me that, that oh. uh, I have a GrahamConley.com one that points to that. Okay. Um, so, Either one. Yeah, yeah great. So, and uh, there'll be information there, as I say. Um, personal development, you know, Michael Dooley's work I do, uh, healing and mediumship and... And training, intuition development. Mm, you like. offer intuition development yep. classes. That's yep. great. Yeah, yeah. That's so. great. Well, I'm. Uh, I'm. I can't wait to uh, connect with you more because I feel like we have some <laughs> synchronicities <laughs> just from talking with you. So, um, well, thank you so much. Well, Graham, no, for thank this. you. I really appreciate the opportunity. Yes, I've uh, heard of you and saw you, and then we bumped into each other on Monday as well. In, in, well, I knew that so, was for a reason, and that's so. why I was like, we need to connect more, because that's the universe is bringing us together. Right. So. Yep. Well, um, such an honor and a joy. Thank you so much. No, thank you. I hope you enjoyed this interview. For more information about me, you can visit www.soulfulworkconsulting.com. And I'm Rachel Horton-White. Thanks so much for listening.